0: Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail and in this week's episode we've got a, 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 I think, five's a crowd, is that fair enough to say? Paul Third, Paul Chalk, confusing yet again, two Pauls, Jamie Jarent and Sophie Goodwin joining me today. How are we guys? Well, all right. Good, thanks. Brand. Good, thank you. Great. So, plenty to discuss again today. Aberdeen and Ross County, obviously, due to not being in the Scottish Cup on little breaks at the moment, but there's been plenty happening at Taudry, certainly. Scott Brown departing earlier this week, we'll discuss that, as well as who might be the new captain. Is J. Emanuel Thomas going to follow Scott Brown out the door? What's the latest on injured defenders? What will Jim Goodwin's priorities be in the next two weeks to get his side up to speed? We'll also talk a little bit about Aberdeen women, but there's also Ross County, a lot of new contracts there for a side that are in the hunt for Europe, apparently, at the moment. Inverness, things just yeah, things just keep uh, going along without a win at Inverness. And we'll also have Cove, Purehead and Elgin to discuss as always. But yes, first of all, Paul Scott Brown leaving. I mean, I think the writing was on the wall for the summer, certainly, I would say, with Stephen Glass of having brought his pal in as a player coach. Leaving Um, a few weeks ago, Jim Goodwin coming in uh, after the performance Scott Brown had at Hearts uh, last midweek, I think it was, I think it was clear maybe that his performance levels had dipped slightly, but that could have been down to injury or age, I suppose, with Scott Brown being 36. But were were we expecting this to come so soon?
1: I thought it would have been this summer, to be honest. Um, A a Scott Brown situation for me, it's an interesting one because up until Christmas, he Mm. was good. Sometimes very good in the heart of, let's face it, it's been a pretty underwhelming, underperforming team at Petaudry this season. But he was pivotal in the early months of the campaign. I think a lot of his teammates will have benefited from playing alongside him in the long term as well. But a couple of things changed. Uh, The manager, clearly, and I think his energy levels, as you've touched on, Ryan. Um, Jim Goodwin's arrival meant... What coaching responsibilities Brown had during Stephen Glass's tenure had effectively been taken away from him. But that's football. A manager comes in, he has his own ideas on who he wants round about him. Goodwin's now in charge, wants to do things his way, and he also wants to run the rule over his squad. And he knows, as we all know, what Scott Brown can bring to a team. But he doesn't know what Connor Barron can do longer term. Nobody knows what Dante Polvara can do at all. So he's got to have a look at these guys. And I I liken this situation to when Paul Hartley joined the club. He was a player who had had a great career. It was a real leader at the former clubs he'd been at. But he was in the veteran stages, I think it's fair to say. And as is often, those little niggling injuries take a little bit longer to recover from. They might happen a bit more frequently than they did when you were in your prime. And if you add on top of that, not playing every week, it all makes that journey back to holding down a regular place a little bit tougher. Hartley, like Scott Brown at the minute, was considering a move into coaching at that time too. And that's what led to Hartley ultimately leaving the Dons and then going to Alloa the following week. I'm not expecting Scott Brown to turn up at Alloa next week, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, turn up somewhere pretty soon. I think we're already seeing hints of that being dropped. But it doesn't take a mathematician to figure out there's likely been a conversation here between Jim Goodwin and his team captain. And if you're Scott Brown, having moved up here with the, the whole idea being you're getting involved in coaching and you've lost that, and now the playing side of things is looking a bit iffy, you can see why you're thinking, no, maybe it's time for me to move on.
0: We When we look at the signing... Does it go down as a good or a bad sign? I would suggest it goes down as possibly a really bad signing. But the reason I'd say that is because in January, obviously we didn't get the amount of additions at Pataudry we thought we would. Maybe that's because budgets were stretched. A player like Scott Brown, you imagine, was on, you know, you know a, a fair chunk of that budget was probably on having Scott Brown at the club. And then, you know, a few weeks after the transfer window closes, he's away in Aberdeen going in this run-in. You know, without Scott Brown and without those, you know, those attacking additions and other additions they possibly could have had. You know, the attacking additions that might have been able to save Stephen Glass's Don's tenure. So, where'd you rank it as a as a signing?
1: In terms of your question, I think you're being a bit harsh on Scott Brown. Um, I I look at let's put it in context. He was a Stephen Glass appointment slash signing. Stephen Glass is still the manager when that window shuts that you're talking about. So you can't you can't suddenly be to use uh, Boris Johnson's old Captain Hindsight quote, we can't come away after after the fact and go, well Scott Brown, what, you, what did we expect? No, he he did a good job Up in, if, if you're looking at the window opening in the start of January you're going, well Scott Brown's alright Aberdeen have had loads of central midfielders all season, they had to trim it down they've done that and they've got some pretty big wage earners off from that department, I include Matty Longstaff in, in that one because he was a guy who was being well paid for doing next to nothing now if you're telling me that scott brown versus matty longstaff let's have that debate of who offered more in their time at aberdeen i don't think anyone sitting here just now even sophie let's let's out her she'll just like newcastle i don't think even she's going to come back and say well no i think longstaff did a better job than scott brown no chance
0: i mean it doesn't have to be one or the other it doesn't have to be a sophie's <laughs> choice
1: <laughs> but No, but it does but, but it does have to be it does have to when you when you're assessing someone you have to frame it against other people surely.
0: Okay. Right, well let's move on. The the, the brown <laughs> the brown era is at an end at Aberdeen. A, a lot of fans already calling for Ross McCrory who's impressed since going back into midfield. I'm not sure he impressed that much in central defence early in the season under Stephen Glass, but he's certainly that energy in midfield has been missed. And uh, well, it's been it's been apparent since it's been back in the midfield. You know how much it's been missed. See the see the next Don's captain, Paul. Do you reckon?
1: I think all signs are pointing to that being the case in the near future. And yeah, Jim Goodwin is clearly a big fan of Ross McCrory and he's another one. We, I guess we need to bring into that equation when it comes into the thinking about Scott Brown. That's another midfielder you're effectively now having in there again. But no, it's McCrory we're looking at now and he has certainly been talked about in glowing terms by his new manager from day one. The first guy to get a contract extension. He likes the drive and energy McCrory brings to the team, says he wants to bring a team around him said his leadership material, he wish he had a team of Ross McCrory's, how many more indicators do we need that this guy's going to be wearing the, the armband at some point when that is, I don't know but it's definitely in his future.
0: I mean I, I would stress that having a team of Ross McCrory's and players like that is kind of the issue the Dons have had for the last few years, a lot of industry in the middle of the park but no no creativity uh, like, Jay Manuel Thomas was obviously Brought in in the summer by Stephen Glass, quite a creative player. It'd be safe to say without maybe the without maybe the industry side of things, uh, is he the next Aberdeen player we're expecting
1: to be? Well, Jim Goodwin will maybe get off the books. Um, I think what happens to Jet depends on Jet. To be honest, uh, if you watched Saint Mirren under Jim Goodwin, you saw a team. That worked really hard, pressed high up the pitch and had lots of energy in terms of what they did when they didn't have the ball. With all due respect to J. Emmanuel Thomas, none of those attributes would be anywhere near the list of what I would be writing down if you asked me to describe what J. Emmanuel Thomas can bring to a team. He's not injured. But he hasn't been in the matchday squads recently. So I think we can infer from that development the manager's looking to be convinced by Jet. he needs this guy to step up and show him he can make a contribution in the manner that he's looking for. Technically, he's good. Does he have the fitness and energy required to make those runs across a backline to put pressure on opposition defenders and then look to make those other runs and stretch teams when the Dons do have the ball? I don't think so. So unless he can address that, there might be a, a change in, in circumstance in the future, but right now the ball is firmly in J. Emmanuel Thomas's court in this one.
0: Farewell to back heels um, for the, the Jim Goodwin era, potentially. Andy Considine and Mikey Devlin, there too, the centre backs on the books that are, have been out injured. Andy Considine, obviously, it was Carabag where he done his knee. Mikey Devlin, a bit more of a prolonged uh, struggle against injury. He hasn't featured, I think, now for as It must be. Going on twenty months or something like that at this point. Any, yeah, light at the well, end of
1: the tunnel for those two. That's the exact phrase I had in mind. Light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we'd initially heard at the time we were, we were looking after the international break for Constantine being there or, or thereabouts, and I haven't heard anything to suggest that timescale has changed. He is back doing work on it on the training ground. Uh, he's nearing contention. He's probably. A couple of weeks ahead of Michael Devlin. Uh, Devlin has, I think we've seen him doing some warm-up up at Ross County uh, a few weeks ago. So he's, he's there or thereabouts, but again, he's he's coming from a long way back compared to Andy. And then I suppose the third one on top of that is, is Marley Watkins, who's been out since Boxing Day. He's back doing light work as well. I'd argue, given Aberdeen's situation, Watkins is probably the one they're needing back first. Uh, cause I think They've been found so wanting in that final third. And there's su- such a lack of creativity, especially with Hedges going as well to Blackburn in January. The, the Dons need more attacking flair.
0: Okay, They ended the th- this pre-break period. They've got, obviously got a couple of weeks off now on the training pitch, but they ended with a 1-0 defeat. Uh, Ibrox, what did you make of that performance? Obviously, it kind of hinged a little bit, according to Jim Goodwin, on a clash between Calvin Ramsey and Calvin Bassey in the Aberdeen box which was you know a, a few moments before the, the winning goal from Kamara Ruth but I think um, Goodwin was pretty clear afterwards and it was pretty obvious to see that there was maybe for all Aberdeen's organisation and willingness to go there and press and try and disrupt Rangers there wasn't necessarily a lot of attacking flair um, as you've discussed a lot of it comes down to players of course but do you think you will be trying to find some way to get a bit more tacking impetus in their performances over the next couple
1: of weeks? I, I think so. I mean for a guy who's hardly kicked a ball all season, I think Matty Kennedy's absence at Ibrox on Saturday was a big a big miss for the Dons. That they're so poor in the final third right now that it, it does make for a grim view and we can't get away from that. But Vicente Bishwayan and Kennedy are the guys that Goodwin probably needs to now be firing to provide the service that Christian Ramirez is so badly needing. Because he's just he's running about with Nothing, nothing, nothing to actually get on the end of to even look to try to convert. I'm not seeing it from Conor McLennan. I think I have to say that. He's, he's had a few chances in different positions and it's, it's not working at the minute. Uh, Marley Watkins is out, as we've touched on, and Johnny Hayes is firmly back in left back because Jack McKenzie isn't, inform at the minute either, and Andrew Montgomery's injured, so there isn't anybody else to put in there unless you're going to throw Constantine back in at left back upon his return. But defensively, I thought the Dons were decent all all in for the 90 minutes at Ibrooks, and we might actually have the makings of a decent central defensive partnership now in Declan Gallagher and David Bates. It's disappointing we've taken till March to actually see some uh, green shoots of optimism there. But I, as for the goal, I don't share in the belief that Kamar Roof's goal should have been chalked off. No chance yet. Calvin Bassey right. n- nudges Calvin Ramsey, yes. But let's turn that the other way around. If that had been Bassey being knocked by Ramsey and it was chalked off, Jim Goodwin would have been going ballistic. It's up to Ramsey to be strong. He's a defender, after all, in that position. And brace himself. And he, and he wasn't. He was caught out. It was a sore lesson for him, but it's one I'm sure he'll learn from.
0: You You agree with me, yeah, on the, the Calvin Ramsey, Calvin Bassey clash. I know our colleague Sean Wallace was all for a bonfire of the Blazers um, over <laughs> that incident, but yeah, I, didn't, I, I thought it was maybe just a mistake from the defender, one he'll learn from. Uh, okay, Sophie, Aberdeen women... They have announced officially now, although you broke the news a few days earlier, that Dons women will make their Pottodry debut when they play Rangers. Um, it's a couple of weeks' time, isn't it? Twenty third, is that right? Twenty third. Yeah. Yeah. So, how much of a watershed moment is this then for the Dons women, Emma Hunter and her squad?
2: I think it's massive. I think you just have to look at the games that's already been played this season in terms of um, the women teams playing at their men's club. Um, I think Hearts and Hibs are the two that have done it and done it well. Especially when the Edinburgh Derby was played at Easter Road, they broke a domestic record for, for six, almost 6,000 fans um, there that night. I don't, because it's not all free tickets like what Hibs done, I'm not expecting a big as big a crowd as that, but I, I do hope that, that people turn out in their numbers on the Wednesday night and I think even just for the team, like it's a big profile, uh, a big boost to their profile. You know, it's a, it's come at a really good time in terms of it's an international break for the men's uh, for the men's team, so kind of all attention can be put on the women. But I think even just the women's game in general, like up here, we have a really good number of clubs up here that have full player pathways, and you know, all it takes is for a parent to take their little girl along on that Wednesday night to the Tawdry and for her to think oh I could do this and you never know she might be the next Rachel Corsi or Kim Little or next Bailey Hutchison or whatever we want to say so I think it's it's a really big a big moment for the club and I think it's um, it signals the plans that they have for them you know I've spoke to a couple people from the club since it's came about and they've said that this has been in the plans for quite some time and I think considering next season we're moving under this kind of banner of the SPFL and wanting to become more professional I think this just signals a bigger picture of what's to come for women's football. I don't see them playing at Patoj every week uh, after that, but it's just, you know, maybe once or twice a season, it just brings a crowd and gives it a boost. But I think what better way to do it against the best team in the country just now, you know, to get Rangers up, Malky Thompson's side, they're they're league favourites. Looks like they're going to, they're gonna be uh putting Glasgow City's reign to an end. But for me, and I think this is the most important thing, I think what an experience for the players. Like we've said this before, about like this young team, what better way for their development at 17, 18 to be playing in the top flight, and now what better to be coming out on your in the homecoming stadium at Petodre. But for me, I think the experienced players, um, what it'll mean to them, the likes of Kelly Forrest and, and Lauren Campbell, um, they've been at this club for for a lot of years now and kind of stuck by it when things really weren't going good you know consecutive relegations probably looking like I think at one point the club was maybe going to fold before Aberdeen FC came in so what a moment for them to kind of get their reward and step out on Patodry and even with the players I think all but one or two are local Um, I'm not going to assume that they're all Aberdeen fans but for them to be Aberdeen girls and and getting to come out onto a it's a great experience for them all
0: In terms of the game being Against Rangers, obviously you can look at that two ways because there have been recent results against Glasgow City and Celtic that have really shown that gap once again between the the full time professional outfits and teams like Aberdeen that are still at that sort of stage where the players are you know they're playing for the love of the game still despite how you know professional the infrastructure around them might be um, at various points like the training facilities and things like that it's still you know they're still very much amateur players that may change going forward but you know, is it is it a good thing that it's Rangers who are playing at Petodrey in that it, it can bring more interest to the game, more fans in potentially and, you know, it allows them the opportunity to maybe in that setting, you know, be inspired to maybe record a famous up, upset or, you know, is it a negative that the game could potentially, you know, get away from them if it doesn't go so well?
2: I think you can look at it both ways. I think when it's a club like Rangers, like I just said, they're their best team in the country you know, for this kind of first marquee game, first ever game at Bataudry, you kind of want to have the best there. And I think the fact that it's Rangers, it'll bring people along. Who know women's football? It'll bring people along because they want to see the best team. They want to see the likes of Jane Ross, Lizzie Arnett. But then also, you know, there's obviously a rivalry between the men's clubs, Aberdeen and Rangers. So it might even bring people along on that front. So yeah, I think in terms of like boosting the profile of the game, and it's a good thing that it's Rangers. But yeah, like you say, I think what, you would need to hammer home about in terms of people who are going along to Patodry on that night. It's like there is a gulf, there is a gulf in between the two sides because like you say, Rangers are are fully professional. They have invested a lot of money in their team. Um, so I think on a playing side of it, yeah, I think, you know, it would have been good if they'd been playing an opponent that a likes of a Partick Thistle or a Hamelin Acquis or something that you can see it's a winnable game. Um, but I think if, to be honest, like, Of course, they want to go out and try their best against a team like Rangers, but it's all about the experience. It's about boosting the profile of the game and just getting the players that chance to to play on their, uh, their pitch.
0: Let's take a break then. Next up, we'll discuss Ross County and their potential European adventure next season. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym, but you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. There, yeah. I mean, it could happen if the results keep going the way they've been going. They seem to be, even they don't play so well at the moment. The last couple of games have had have been pretty nip tuck, but they've got through them with one 0 wins. beating was St Mirren at the weekend. Joseph Hungbo standing out again. People are still, you know, mentioning maybe if they finish fourth, you know, it could still be on the cards. Do we? Do you think it's a possibility?
3: It could be on the cards. Uh, and I remember a few weeks ago listening to uh, John Robertson, who was in. Duty on on radio covering the game in Dingwall and he he uh, did he, he was the first person that I had mentioned Europe and Ross County because it's such a tight league you know Saint Mirren win, winning in midweek as well uh, as have joined that group just below the the midway point so um, you, you think back to the the ten games at the start of the season Ross County didn't win. A whole new squad assembled by Malky Thompson, who had his own pressure to deal with coming into that situation, building the squad from scratch. Did you say Malky Thompson there? Did I say Malky?
0: (laughs) Malky Thompson? Malky McKay, of course. Who's Malky Malky Thompson?
2: Malky Thompson's a Rangers women manager.
0: There you go. Former former Callie Thistle as well,
3: uh. Coach, so yeah, no, but from certainly from a, a Ross County point of view, had they get points on the board early, they would already be fourth uh, right now. Uh, you know, you've got a Hibs team in fourth position right now, really, really stuttering. Um, Malky McKay, the Ross County manager, spoke the other, the other day about the inconsistencies in the Premiership and the Championship, where you've got teams going long, long runs without wins. I think, as I say, Hibs have got one win in 10. County are the only team at the moment. From fourth down Showing any any, You know That's three wins in a, in a row Two clean sheets I think Ross Laidlaw Has grasped his opportunity In goal Since coming in um in, in recent weeks As well And there's a solidity About County And as you say Ryan I mean You know Reagan Charles Cook The, the top scorer In the league But complimented Brilliantly by Hungbo Whose penalties That he stuck away Back to bat Have been ice cool Under pressure So Although, They're a great team To watch
0: <laughs> You say you say that. Yep. I, got, I watched sports scene um, on Sunday morning, and obviously they were they were raving about Joseph Hungbo's penalty and the way it sort of crashed in off the bar. To me, if I was a you know if I was a Ross County fan, that's that's a heart and mouth moment when it, it you know it just goes slightly slightly higher and it comes back straight towards him. What did you just look was, great though? Yeah, do you think yeah do you it think looked- it was a perfect pen <laughs> or was it a you know a near miss?
3: Uh, no, it was a perfect penalty in roof of the net, and uh, I think it was the jail end as well, which went down well. So yeah, no, great. It's great times for for county, as as you say, and I, they should be targeting Europe. You know, they they do have Celtic, of course, next up. But you've got to remember at Dingwall, they took Celtic to the ninety seventh minute before Celtic got over the line. They're a team that do cause the top teams trouble. Um, so I don't think they should be, be fearing the trip to Parkhead. They should relish it.
0: New deals this week announced for a host of different Ross County players, ranging from Logan Ross, young goalkeeper, who's currently on loan at Rossymouth. Rossymouth? There you go. Another, another <laughs> misspeak. Uh, lossymouth, uh, as well as you know players that are playing week in, week out for the first team, like Jordan White, Jordan Tilson. Matthew Wright, obviously, Brora, start of the season. He's been rewarded by new deals since coming back to County and obviously scored against Rangers a famous goal are there any names there that the Staggies fans will be unhappy about getting new contracts not not the way I see it Um, more more concerned that they haven't seen Regan Charles Cook among those names yet is that fair to say yeah
3: I did not I noticed that it was like Great bit of work in midweek now, now that the team are out of action for uh, the club to get all these uh, players signed up from the experienced guys like Jordan White and uh, Tilson who have been terrific, to, to the younger guys who, from the very start when, when Malky McKay came in, he was impressed by uh, their attitude, their quality, their hard work, the way they learn from the experienced players and they've been rewarding and, and he's, it pains to point out that this younger group, are there and merit if, if he didn't feel that they can make a contribution for the seniors, and um, you know, he, he wouldn't be he wouldn't have them as part of this group. He, you know, he's got the, the funds there, as we all know from Roy McGregor, to, to go out and, and uh, shape up if need be, but he sees these as guys for the future he's talked about them making an impact in the first team and of course being sold on when the time's right but um, the county fans will be hoping these younger lads will be um, around at least for the next few years um, but yeah Jordan White's an interesting one you know he's not got the the, the goals that maybe people would expect from, from a striker but I think you, you can't fault his uh, work rate and contribution and assists that um, he, he chips in with he's a big big part of this team and he's been rewarded Tilson is another important player so yeah everyone's looking for Reagan Charles Cook to get a, a deal and the club are still working away you know you would think that it would be great if they could get a deal done for him. We know that his long-term future won't be in Dingwall, but at least if, if he's going to go, at least make money at Dingwall for, for the Staggies.
0: Uh, we'll see with Regan Charles Cook, I'm sure. Aye, aye. I think I know which way it's going to go. And if Logan Ross continues to perform for a mouth for the rest of the season, maybe a name change to Rossy Mouth could be on the cards. Anyway, away from the positivity of Dingwall uh, Inverness, I've written, let's do it. On the, the notes. Do we but have it's, to? It's, 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 it's a difficult conversation with Inverness at the moment every week, isn't it? Um, I think they've accepted themselves that the title chase is now over, following their latest loss. I It's starting to feel really like the mood music is, could they drop out of these playoff spots? They're not, they've not dropped out yet. They're fourth. Wraith Rover is still managing to prop Inverness up with their similarly atrocious record at the moment. Yeah. Um, how big is this Arbroath game this weekend?
3: It's it's certainly important. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt about that. But uh, do you know what? I have been looking at the the game beyond that, but just because the game after this is Wraith Rovers away, um, I think both have been terrific. And I, I heard Dick Campbell the other day, the Arbroath boss, of course, saying... Um, he, well, for the first time, of course, he did say his team are going for the championship now. Of course, they've been under the radar... Uh, he's been quite happy for our to be under the radar. He's uh, for much of the season said their target was to stay in the championship, uh, which was an achievement in itself. Oh yeah, we'd be happy with the playoffs, he said. Uh, but now um, he's saying that they they are in it to win it. You know they've got eight games to go, um, and the majority of the the their last eight games are at Gayfield, where they've only lost once. And that was a way back in a sunny day when Inverness won with a Shane Sutherland goal. They haven't lost since at home in the in the league. And that's been the foundation for their championship charge. That's why Kumar haven't caught them yet. Despite Arbroath's um, you know, we dip in results. Um they're they're still the team to to catch. But um yeah, I'm I'm looking at this Wraith Rovers one, and you're right to point that out, Ryan. The Cali Thistle will haven't won since December the eleventh in the league. Neither have Wraith Rovers. So 11 games to go and one of these teams is going to miss out in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I've been desperate for the win clearly but uh, if they can win at Kirkcaldy next week that's, that's that's the one that would give them breathing space.
0: Yeah, it's got a real um, sense of it's like a, I suppose a, a movable object meets a stoppable force. Yeah, that one. Do you think? I don't, I don't want to ask this question, Paul, but I, think, I feel I need to in, in terms of Inverness, is there a point where they, is there a point where they make a change in the dugout should things continue to go the wrong way? It,
3: there, there are a lot of fans who's, who feel that the time is already up for for Billy does There's no no doubt about that. But um, what I would say is there has been a shift in, in attitudes in the past fortnight by some fans because of the performances against Hamilton and Partick. This so, okay, it was a, a you know. A draw and a defeat, but uh, you could see these were games that could quite easily have been six points in the board. They aren't, and that's 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 really where the, the concern lies. But um, you know, speaking this week to Neil McCann, of course the interim boss who brought Billy Dodds to the, the club last year is his his uh, assistant, and he he is in no doubt that. They'll turn this this around. He feels that um, the interesting thing about this Arbroath game is because Dick Campbell has come out and said about uh, them being, uh, going for the the league now and Callie Thistle, as you say, Kirk Broadfoot uh, told told uh, Andy at the PJ last week that, uh, that their title chance has gone there there in, in the playoffs. Both clubs' targets have now changed, and it adds a whole lot of pressure for Arbroath. So um, yeah, there's still pressure on Billy Dodds, but he he knows that. And he says that he's, he's strong enough to, to stand up to it. But his players need to match that.
0: Jack Catterall-like question, avoiding to my Josh Taylor haymaker. Uh, anyway, let's move on then. Cove and Peterhead, they met at the weekend, so we'll discuss that next with Jamie. But Jamie, all the plaudits it's after this game. 5-2 win for Cove at the Balmoral Stadium. Everyone's talking about Harry Milne we've known about Harry Milne, he's no, been no secret to us, the marauding left back for years now, all the way up from the Highland League, I remember him destroying East Kilbride away from home in the playoffs. Um, but the one question I have about Harry Milne, when you're talking about clubs being interested in him, at what point does it make sense for a player like Harry Milne to leave Cove? Because Cove are going to be in the Championship next season, let's be honest, that's the way it looks, it's, it's basically 99% sure for me at the moment. Cove will probably be a pretty strong championship team. You imagine they'll they'll change their model slightly. They'll maybe have some full time players. Uh, Harry Mullen might be one of them. So it probably doesn't make sense to go to many other championship clubs. Are we saying that Harry Milne's good enough to go and play for a premiership club?
4: Well I think from what I would from what I kinda of gathered from the, the folk that I spoke to after the game, and particularly obviously Paul Hartley, I don't think there's going to be any change in their model this for this coming season. Mm-hmm. I think with COVID and the financial impact of that, it's maybe kind of set that back a little bit. So I would imagine as and when Cove go up to the to the championship, it looks like it may be this season. Then they would try and do kind of maybe what Arboroth have done and have shown it can be done as a part-time club in the second tier. But quite tellingly, um, without referencing a specific situation, Paul Hartley said that what they can't offer at the minute is full-time football, which is... I think for someone like Harry Milne, who's not had that experience before, um, he's come through Cove all the way. He had a kind of little stint in the juniors, but he's never had that kind of experience of going and playing full-time football. Um, Whereas a lot of the guys at Cove have gone the other way. They've been full-time footballers and then dropped down to part-time. And I don't think there's any question that Harry has the ability to go and play at a higher level. Um, And you see how good he is at the minute as a part-time player and just think how he would benefit from full-time training, full-time fitness work and playing at, against kind of a higher level of competition. Um, yeah, he may be a championship player next season if Corv, uh, if Corv as do as we think and go up. Um, but who knows, maybe there may be something non-offer higher than that. Um, and if it's full-time football for him, uh, I think he's 25. Um, I don't think he's maybe in the position to turn it down and it's it's something that I suppose he, he'd probably kick himself for not trying at some point. Um maybe if Cove were planning to go full time next season anyway, then it might have um it might be kind of a stronger pull. But um nothing's decided yet, but it's just the kind of the vibe that I get then the way he's playing just now, I would be surprised maybe if he's still at Cove next season. Um it would be a shame because they've been a great fit for each other. Um he's played a huge part in them getting up the league and Cove have given him the platform um to develop and yeah. rightly Paul Hartley has kind of praised the way he's developed and, and taken to what they wanted wanted to do when he came in three years ago. Um and you see his performance like he did on Saturday. Um he was he was unplayable and kind of it's probably cemented his status as one of the best players in that division.
0: Yeah, a little uh, red, your stuff. On oh, Monday or Tuesday, a real baptism of fire for Owen Cairns, who's obviously recently signed for Peterhead from Fraser Brahe. He was at right back against Harry. And, I, I mean, the class in the league uh, this season, the difference between Cove and Peterhead's been pretty apparent in all the games they've had against each other. I think there was uh, Peterhead won in the was it the League Cup earlier yeah. in the season. But, yeah, in the, in the league games, since Cove have found their feet, they've obviously... As the table suggests they, they should have um shown that they're a stronger side than Peterhead, your head, fair to say.
4: Yeah. I mean the the games up at Balmour were tight, they're kind of two two one nil wins and obviously the second the second one at the turn of the year was a, a little bit of a dubious one, but I think the games at the games at the Balmoral Cove have been clearly the better team. Um and there's kind of it's, you can kind of see in the way the sides are made up as well that you'd expect it to be a little bit of a difference. Cove this season have gone down the more experienced route. They've brought in guys that have played for a significant period of time at a higher level and have dropped down. Um, you look at like Mark Reynolds, Ian Vigas, Shea Logan, etc., that have kind of come into the squad this season. Whereas Peterhead have gone the other way. They were traditionally the side that would pack it with experience. They've gone the other way and tried to build a more solid foundation for the future and brought in a lot of younger players. Which you get a level of inconsistency with. Um, it's helped facilitate a different style of play for Peterhead in that they want to play more aggressively and press from press from high up the park, and it's allowed them to do that. But you do kind of get the individual mistakes, and maybe that kind of lacking that little bit of nous within the team. Um, and you, there's been bumps in the road for, for Peterhead. They're still not clear of danger. Um, it's kind of I think it's it looks like it's going to be between them. Dumbarton and Alloa for the kind of the relegation playoff place. I think East Fife are a little bit too far behind now to try and claw it back. Um, I think Peterhead need a couple of results, and I think the head-to-heads with Dumbarton and Alloa to come will be will be important. Um, But there's there's definite signs there for Peterhead. I think you mentioned there what kind of Owen Cairns was saying, and um, he's always kind of from what I gather from Callum Law's uh, experiences chatting to him during his days in the Highland League like Owen Kez was always someone that was kind of he'd be brilliant to give you the time of day and he's always kind of refreshingly honest and he was he was he first of all he was he was happy to come through and speak after such a difficult game for him his first start in the SPFL and going up against one of the best players in the league um, he admitted himself he didn't have a he didn't have his best game but one thing he will always give you, he will give you. Um, he'll give you everything he's got. He'll stick to his task, even if it's not going his way. He'll he'll keep going, um, and that that will say that will that will endear him to Peterhead and to to Jim McAnally.
0: Peterhead, obviously, a tough one this weekend home to Montrose Cove. They'll be playing Clyde, and I'm sure they'll be looking to get another win, given they've had that recent period of a few draws, Having got a big win at the weekend. They'll be wanting another one to build on it. Right, Elgin City. Finally, they obviously got a big win in their, their previous outing. They've now managed a 0-0 draw against Forfer, which, considering how high Forfar are in the League 2 table, it's a it's a pretty decent result, especially, I think, Albion Rovers and Cowdenbeath. They both lost at the weekend, so it just moves Elgin, that place above, just slightly further ahead. Um, trip to Annan on Saturday, which will be tough again for Elgin, but... I feel like we've said this so many times this season. Is this the turnaround? Are we a, a, a consistent turnaround?
3: I think uh, with Elgin there, I think they'll pretty much stay where they are. I, I don't think they'll be drawn into the the trouble zone now with Cowdenbeath. I think they're too far away from that, but uh, the, the teams above them have stretched too far away and it's a real disappointment for Elgin that they're not competing for the promotion playoffs. That was certainly the the target so many close calls over the past few years with Gavin Price coming in and um, uh, speaking to Tony Dingwall this week, of course, who who left the club and has joined Brora and he's scratched his head as to quite how it hasn't worked for Elgin this this season. You know, there's been a lot of chopping and changing at the club personnel-wise. You know, Kane Hester's continued to provide the goals, although he had a spell out injured as as well. So, um, yeah, it's time to just... um, take stock, Gavin will be in this for the the long haul, they'll go again next season but uh, I think uh, one more crack I would say uh, at trying to get Elgin up but uh, yeah, from their point of view I I imagine they won't be good enough to make the playoffs but neither will they be in trouble that uh, was uh, so close to them recently.
0: Okay, I think that'll just about do us then for this week's episode of Northern Goal thanks to the, the four amigos for joining me today, Sophie, Paul, Jamie, to split up the two polls, and Paul 2. Thanks, guys. Thank okay. you. Thank you. You can decide among yourselves which one's Paul 1 and which one's Paul 2. And uh, Paul 3, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. Right. Uh, the If you like this podcast, you can subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us any questions or queries at northerngoal at uk. And finally, Enjoy the football, whichever games you're watching in the week ahead. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.